Welcome to this special episode of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, I wanted to focus on the Etsy strike and sit down with Christy Cassidy, one of the organizers, in order to learn how it came to be and what the impact might be. If you haven't heard about the Etsy strike yet, it's a petition created by a group of Etsy sellers with a list of demands they want Etsy to meet. These include canceling the latest fee increase, which brought transaction fees from 5% to 6.5%. Other demands include cracking down on resellers, improving seller support, ending the star seller program, and letting all sellers opt out of offsite ads. As of right now, when we recorded this interview, the petition had 72,334 signatures or just about 1% of Etsy's total active seller base. Christy Cassidy is one of the creators of the Etsy strike petition. Along with fellow sellers she connected with on Reddit, Christy sells steampunk gothic fantasy costumes that she sews herself in her Etsy shop, Aura Lynn. Here's Christy. Hi. Hey. Yeah, I can hear you. How are you? I'm so sorry. Every interview is always people calling me and I've got my phone already. And then and then I'm like, wait, no. You're like, wait, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's awesome. So just to get started. Can you tell us a little bit about your Etsy shop and how long you've been an Etsy seller and like what your experience on the marketplace has been like? Yeah, so um, I joined Etsy in 2006, got active selling things on the platform in 2007. I make uh, gothic Victorian and steampunk wedding dresses and costumes. (laughs) So it's a nice, unique business, and it's been just, it gradually grew, and it was a wonderful, wonderful, Etsy was a great place to do business. Really, for me, I started seeing a downturn sometime in 2019. Do you have, do you sell on any other channels, or is Etsy your only e-commerce? I have a website. I do, I do sell some things on my website. Okay, and are you using like Shopify or a different... It's uh, WooCommerce. WooCommerce Oh, yeah. That's what I use too. WooCommerce and WordPress. Yeah. Oh, cool. You're the first person I've met since doing this. Oh, yeah. No, that's, it's a, it's a good way to have a shop as well. So, okay. And would you say like the balance though, on balance, um, your sales over the last couple of years, like from 2007 until, you know, recently has been more on Etsy or more on your website? Oh, definitely more on Etsy. Like the vast majority of my sales have always been on Etsy. And is that because people are just like searching for you or you? It's it's a combination of things. I mean, for a long time, the platform was a very good place to do business. And I didn't at all mind like even sending all my customers from social media there. You know, it was like it the the fees were low enough that I didn't feel like I was just doing work for them to take money off of me. And, um, and, you know, I, I I could keep growing and I would get some customers from search. It wouldn't, it would be like, I think it was about a third I sent and, you know, two thirds Etsy sent. It was what it would wind up being on, on average in the before days. Okay. So they were sending you some good traffic. It sounds like at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, it sounds like in 2019, you started to feel, um, like things were, shifting. And I don't know if you can pinpoint like what 
that shift was caused by or? Yeah, it was, it was just, so in the beginning, it was just this fear. It was, I didn't understand what was happening. It was like, I was trying and trying, like the, it felt like in 2019, the more work I put into my shop, the less I would get out of it. It's, and it, it was hard to like quantify what was going on, why, you know, it's, and it was, it, it was just kind of this mystery that I, that I couldn't figure out. And there were some changes on the platform, but it was other people that they affected more than me. So like the free shipping push for orders over $35, I had already put free shipping on my listings because oh. I heard that it would increase my conversion rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I was trying so hard to increase my conversion rate that year. The interesting thing is, since doing this, like the research for this project, it lowered my conversion rate whenever I switched to free shipping. <laughs> so it wasn't by a huge amount, but but it it was actually better whenever I didn't do free shipping. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's so strange. Um, <laughs> okay. So when, um, when you decided to do this project, which is um, put together this petition, um, mm-hmm. which calls for Etsy sellers to sign, and then if they're interested to put their shop on vacation mode, um, starting on April 11th, due to the the fee hike from five percent transaction fee to six point five percent transaction fee, was there a specific like conversation you had with a fellow seller or a specific event in your mind? Just reading the news that this was going to happen, or something else that you can point to that really made you decide, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a petition and I'm gonna see what happens here. So this starts long before the fee increase for me. It's just a solid downturn that started in 2019 and every change that they've made on the platform since then has been very bad for creators. And, you know, also the the more unique vintage sellers, you know, it's it's just they're they're not what they purport to be anymore. And that's that's hurting all of us. And I just gradually as all these changes are coming through, I'm getting more and more fed up. And with the last change before the fee increase, which was star seller, was whenever I kind of was like, I'm done. I I can't fight right now. Eh, But next time at see next time. (laughs) And so when the fee increase email came out, it's this for me in particular, it's never been about the fee increase. It's been about everything. It's been about how we went from this platform in just 2017, not that long ago, that was a public benefit corporation that was doing all these wonderful things that I wanted to be a part of. And then it can just completely go downhill in a period of like only a little over four years. And it's, I I wanted to fight back. And so, yeah, whenever the fee increase email came out, I went to Reddit. I posted something that said, we need an Etsy sellers union. And there were a bunch of people that agreed with me in the comments. And uh, one of those people was the person who started the Etsy strike subreddit. Oh, okay. And who is that? Do you know who that that person Um, was? Now she's chosen to remain anonymous. Okay. Got it. Yes. (laughs) She started a subreddit called the Etsy strike and you were in that subreddit commenting and posting Mm -hmm. things. Yes, I was. 
Okay. Yeah. And, and, so- and basically I, I offered to help. That was how it all, it all okay. my involvement was me showing up and being like, hi, I can do graphic design if you need it. And I can build websites if you need it. And so I did like a really quick WordPress website for us and stuff like that. So, okay. Right. So you were like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I, I want to work together collaboratively with other people who sort of feel the same way. And so um, is the, the strike itself, did you use like a particular off the shelf, like software or something to create the, the petition? I mean, yeah. So the petition, most of the wording on that is actually not me. I'm a creative writer, but like that, that, you know, <laughs> that kind of writing is not my forte. Um, whenever we were in the very, very beginning of the movement, we were just kind of trying to like narrow down, you know, what do we want to ask for? We, we needed, every has problems with Etsy. What are the most important things to us? And we got it narrowed down to the five most important demands. And we were kind of trying to like just very carefully reach out and find more people that wanted to get in and work. And um, Maddie was the the first person to join who had enough time to devote to the project to really help. And um, Maddie is an amazing writer for that kind of stuff. So most of the wording on the petition, Maddie is the one who, who did that. Okay, so you guys all kind of brainstormed, and then they offered to write up um, the the list of demands, and then they put they put their their sort of writing powers to to work on that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, got yes, it. And we so, made an awesome team for that project. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yes. Um, and 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 so is this all on WordPress or? Um. So my uh the no the website is WordPress. And then the petition is hosted with a gig worker activates active. Oh my God. A gig gig worker activism organization. Oh, wow. Uh, and um, yeah, they're called coworker.org. Maddie okay. is the one who found them. Oh, they neat. reached out and, um, and uh, Tim from there agreed to help us. I was a little um, shocked that like, you know, we would be allowed to be lumped in with gig workers as far as like activism goes, but it's like, if you think about it, you know, both me and my Uber driver neighbor are waiting on an app to notify us whether we get paid each week. So it kind of makes sense, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I've seen in actually quite a few of the articles and, and kind of more mainstream media outlets, um, a kind of sense that this was lumped together with gig workers demands. So that's mm-hmm. interesting that actually the petition site itself originated there. Um, so yeah, that, that is interesting. And I wonder what, um, your life has been like since the, the strike took off or the petition took off, because I'd say, I mean, I've read articles in time, the wall street journal, I mean, it's in, in Buzzfeed and I mean, all over the place, the verge. So I wonder how many interviews you've done and have you ended up kind of being the I guess the the face or the the press, you know, person for this. Yes. Yes. I I have wound up being being the face for this, even though we are very much a collaborative organization with a lot of people that are like so Maddie was the first to join me, but then we've always tried to like get as many people helping as possible. So but yeah, I wound up being the face and it has just, I have been going from interview to interview to interview and I have lost count at this point. Like I could not tell you how many over the last three days. Oh. Um, have there been any surprises when you talk to some of the reporters 
from some of these news outlets who maybe don't typically cover Etsy or aren't as tuned in to sellers? Um, have they, you know, have there been any surprises that you've encountered? I think the biggest surprise moment that I had was whenever I was on live TV for a Yahoo Finance interview. And like from what they had said to begin with, I didn't fully like it didn't register Yahoo Finance is watched by like investors and stuff like that. And then they put up this giant thing of Etsy stock on the screen right before I go to speak. And I'm like, oh, this is that kind of interview. Oh, it was like it was this moment. But every other interview has been and like that one, I wouldn't call it unfriendly, but they were definitely trying to ask me challenging questions. <laughs> every other interview, though, we, we have been kind of careful to to try and, you know, reach out because it, it doesn't make sense to get press from, you know, spend time <laughs> with people that, you know, are not going to support the movement. You know, you want to you want to like try to. <laughs> spend your limited time in the areas that make the most sense. And do you and the group, I mean, as a whole, um, do you expect that Etsy will give in to any of the demands that Maddie wrote up? Or um, if you don't really think they're going to give in to any of them, what do you think the long-term impact of this movement will, will be? So we don't know. It's honestly too early in the movement to be able to offer uh, an answer on what we think, you know, is going to come of it. But we do have plans to build the equivalent of a union for Etsy sellers, like what was in my original post, some kind of solidarity organization, everyone in the core team and pe- the people in our that have joined our Discord server to help. We are all gung-ho about going forward with this and we're, it's going to be epic. We don't know exactly what form it's going to take yet, but it will be epic. And has Etsy contacted you directly in any way? No, we reached out to them on Monday morning and they have not contacted us back yet. I think that's interesting because I saw that Josh Silverman, the CEO at Etsy, responded to investors about this petition itself in the Wall Street Journal today. Yes, yes. Someone shared that to our Discord server. I haven't gotten a chance to look at it yet, but I I saw that. But I thought it was interesting that he's responding to investors, but he's not responding to sellers. <laughs> the, the email, like, I, I don't know when it went out to everyone, but everyone in our group that received the email received it 15 minutes after they told investors they were increasing our fees. <laughs> so Etsy's priorities, you know, <laughs> we, we kind of have this feeling about where they are. <laughs> and ha- have you thought about where the maker community would be without Etsy. Like if Rob Kalin had never come up with the idea or had come up with the idea at the wrong time or hadn't taken venture capital so that it could scale, or if it just shut down at a certain point, because you know whoever was working on it just didn't want to work on it anymore. Where do you feel like the maker community would be without Etsy? Oh, we would be in a lot. So the main thing that I that I think of with Etsy is it is really, really unique for a corporation to actually be a public, like a benefit to the public. You know, I'm not even talking about like the certification, but just a benefit to the public for a solid more than a decade. And that that is what, you know, we had with Etsy. They were wonderful for so long. And yeah, I cannot possibly downplay that the benefit that we got out of the good years of, of Etsy. 
And do you feel like resellers are a part of this problem now? Meaning resellers, meaning people who buy and either drop ship or actually send out themselves mass produced goods and then mark them as under the handmade category. Yes. Yes. I, I believe that is the most damaging thing to the platform right now. I, a lot of times don't talk about it as much because I don't know how we get data on how bad the problem, like, it feels like it's gotta be the majority of the items in some categories, whatever you look at. I would agree with, yes, I would agree (laughs) with that. I mean, anyone who searches for, you know, Boba plush, will see all the manufactured Boba plush that you can buy on Amazon or, you know, um, Bluetooth headphones, which are certainly not handmade. Yes. No. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I, you know, I do quite a bit of um, like consulting with Etsy investors. I've done that for many years. And one question that they always seem to ask me is what the limit is, meaning how high can fees go before we see <sighs> seller churn? And I just wondered whether you thought you had thoughts on that, like how high fees could go before, because, you know, the last fee increase from 3.5% where it had been for so long to 5% in 2018, according to Rachel Glazer, the CFO of Etsy, they didn't see any any churn, any significant churn to note. Um, and so I don't know what's going to happen this time. They're not anticipating churn, but we'll see. But I just wonder what you felt like the limit would be. I actually don't know. I don't want to answer a question with something that's just me making a guess, you know, right. it's like, I I can tell you what would make it like I'm if they don't listen to us, I'm leaving. I can tell you that I I am out of this platform if if they don't listen to us. For me, the thing is actually offsite ads, unpredictable fees. That's what my problem is. I cannot deal with unpredictable fees in a business that's based on custom orders and making, you know, like expensive items where my entire paycheck for a month can be like two or three orders, you know? Mm-hmm, right. And so offsite ads is where Etsy's advertising your items without telling you. And then when one sells, they're taking um, a cut of that sale. But one yes. thing I think is interesting about offsite ads is, you know, I've paid for Facebook ads myself for, for my business. Um, and you're paying for clicks, right? So um, with offsite ads, all the clicks that don't lead to a conversion, the bill for those is, is picked up by Etsy. Yeah, well, the biggest thing with offsite ads for me, I actually have not been able to stop continuing to do my own advertising. And like advertising is a set budget every month, it's not variable, you know? So if you've got something where you're paying for advertising and it could be, you know, it could be 0% of your income or it could be really close to 12% of your, of, of your, your, you know, total sales for the month. And that's just like, that's really problematic. And it's not something you can turn off if you want to maybe slow down your orders for a little while. And it's just, it's the lack of control. That's what, that's what the the problem is. And just the inability to opt out for quoting people custom prices, your prices on custom made merchandise. It's like, how do I quote people? Do I charge everybody? I think it's 14% more or what do I do? Right. Do you feel like there's, this is a sense that I have, and I wondered if you agreed or disagreed, but do you feel like there's kind of a paternalistic tone, I feel like, to the Star Seller program, offsite ads, a lot of these things, which are sort of like 
we're going to figure out how to run this business for you and not give you a choice. Yeah. And I would, I would specifically call it patronizing. It's incredibly patronizing the way they talk to us. I would agree with that. I feel like they're like, don't worry, don't, don't worry your, your pretty little heads about the money. You know, you go play with glitter, you go play with glitter and beads and we'll figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) really. (laughs) And as you know, primarily, uh, a, a marketplace that's primarily populated populated by women sellers that does, definitely has a an off feeling to it. Yes, yes, you know, most definitely, most yeah. definitely. So you said you're going to leave if um, if Etsy doesn't change, and and it may and changes may not be. We reach out to this group from you know from Etsy, but it, it may be that they just change something um, and and or more than one thing according to these demands. But if they don't, you said you're, you're going to leave. And where are you going to invest your um, time and energy in building up that WooCommerce shop? Yes. Yes, that is the plan. And the solidarity organization that we are starting is open to people who used to sell on Etsy as well. It, it's okay. going to kind of be just like a group for artisans and vintage sellers in general to, to be to be stronger together. Right. Understood. Okay. Well, Christina, this has been really, really helpful. Is there anything I should have asked about, but didn't ask about that you think is important to, to share? Um, well, we had kind of this, uh, moment yesterday that was like shocking and glorious. Etsy's founder tweeted in support of us. This is, this is Rob Kalen. Yes. Yes, Rob Kalen tweeted in in support of us of us wow. yesterday. We that that they, like I support the Etsy strike. This is getting ridiculous, you know. And something about like you know there needs to be a new platform because this is just absolutely ridiculous. So it that was is it was this amazing moment. <laughs> and has Chad Dickerson, the former CEO, uh, reached out in any way? No, not not that I not that I know of. We're such a decentralized movement. I feel like. Some of these, like there, it's a possibility that something could have happened that I don't know about, but <laughs> not that I know of. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, this has been great. I I know you're busy. You're doing interviews all day long, and I really appreciate that you took the time to talk to Craft Industry Alliance. So thank you so much, and and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. A big thank you to Christy for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast in what I know is a very, very busy time for her. We will include links to the petition, to Rob Kalin's tweet, and other things we mentioned in this interview in the show notes. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.